The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. First of all, it's, it's when, the, when the lights come on, the priests come out at night. So, you know, when they come on, it's time to shine. You're listening to the From the Pink Seats podcast. Powered by the state of Louisville Network. Welcome into a Christmas edition of the From the Pink Seats podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Lane. We've got a great show tonight. Again, leading up to the uh, most wonderful time of year, the holiday Christmas season. Football feels like it's kind of been gone for a while, if you kind of think about it. Um, and with everything else happening around the University of Louisville, Scott Satterfield has been able to take a deep, uh, a deep breath and back off and say, thank God there's other people who have done far worse than me. Uh, and that's where we find ourselves now. So football is kind of like the the guilty pleasure that we're going to get in the next couple of weeks. Uh, again, you're from the Pink Seeds Podcast, the State of Louisville, State of Louisville Podcast Network. I'm joined, as always, by my good friends Matthew McGavick of the Louisville Report and Vincent Lacoco, former Louisville football player and student assistant. Matt, how are you tonight, buddy? Man, there's been so much stuff going on with the University of Louisville that I, it honestly doesn't even feel like that football was even remotely recent. I mean, I was just thinking about football. We're just writing about it earlier today, and I'm like, damn, it's not even been it's not even been a month since the, the UK game. It feels like it's been longer than that. That's what I'm saying. It feels like we have just been in this weird kind of purgatory for the last month where football exists, but it's like the ugly stepchild where only, you know, so many people want to interact with that ugly stepchild. But hey, now it's the good looking child again because the basketball team seems to be falling flat on their face. And, uh, you know, that's cool. Welcome on into the football club. We'll get back on the bandwagon. Scott, Come on keep in. it rolling. Like Vince said, the seats are warm. Vince, how are you, man? I'm great. Those seats have always been warm for the record. I haven't hopped off. I've just been shining them over here, keeping them warm, putting seat warmers on all your all seats and everything. Uh, we finished Christmas shopping over the weekend. Girlfriend's wrapping presents now. So, oh, Lord, don't even ready to roll into the holidays. Matt, did you get time to write a letter to Santa this year with all the other writing you've had to do? Santa's ignored my request to have a normal offseason covered for the last five years. So, no. I just this is your lump of one. coal. This is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Louisville fandom right now is just Matt's lump of coal. It's all it is from all these years of, of him doing his thing. But, no, we've got a great show. We've uh, actually got some football stuff to talk about. We did have an episode last week uh, between just myself and, and Keith when you guys got the week off. So, it feels like we haven't been together in like a month, but uh, we've got a ton to get into. National Signing Day is old news now, but still we're going to react to it. I think we can provide some good insight here uh, into some of the players and some of the news that, uh, quite frankly, when Keith and I were doing the show, we were not privy to whatsoever. No idea that Louisville was going to flip an offensive tackle from Virginia Tech. Had no idea that there was going to be, you know, some movement with the Florida State player. How about Travis Hunter, man? I, I freaking loved what he did. I didn't even know who Travis Hunter was until Monday night. Uh, when Keith mentioned him and I was like, who is that? So I went and looked and then sure enough, he's the top sure of the enough, town. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah, it's, you know, but of course, like we talked about before the show, Keith always provides those little nuggets of information there. But uh, we're going 
going to get into the big three. We've got some uh, headlines to, to dive in here with uh, Louisville football, of course. And then uh, we've got our third hero of the week from the pink seats. Last uh, time we spoke, obviously, our hero of the week was Tim Sullivan. How time moves fast. Man. If you can't keep up, you go from that. What's the, what's the quote from Harvey Dent? If you don't, if you live long enough to see your, I, it's been so long since I've seen the movie. And I'm fucking to, you, either, it, man. you either, you either die here or live long enough to see yourself become a villain. Tim Sullivan right there, castellated it in that quote over the last <laughs> month after being the hero of the week. Uh, but we've got our hero of the week, and I think it's a good one. Uh, and then we've got a, a national signing day edition of Vince's Game Notes. We're going to look at some of the recruiting film. We've had uh, our, our coach, our resident coach here, get to work watching some of the film and breaking it down. So we're going to talk about some of that. And then I want to dive into Scott Satterfield. Spoke to the media last week. I, I've got some some things that I, I noted about him. Malik um, talked about coming back to Louisville and some of the things that have been around that. And then uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about Air Force. That game is just a couple of uh, days away. What, what are we at here now? Eight We're days. Eight days away. Uh, yeah. Uh, a lot has happened, like I said, since the last time the three of us have been together. So let's dive right in here. Matt, take us to the top. Headline number one. Bing. Bing. Big three. Yeah, 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 yeah. Big three. Come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Headline number one from my own site, Louisville Report. Scott Satterfield acknowledges, quote, disappointing regular season, optimistic for Louisville's future. Now, for his National Signing Day presser, for those keeping track at home, it was the first time that Sat had talked to the media since the Kentucky game. Now, normally, like in the season, that actually makes sense. Uh, you hear from the the coach maybe that week after after the regular season, just kind of talk and prep, and then when the poll actually gets announced, you have a press conference there, and then you have a press conference for National Signing Day. Well, considering all of the whirlwind of drama that was going on with the athletic director and the rumors surrounding is Satterfield leaving, is Satterfield getting fired, is Brom coming in, yada, yada, yada. And then on top of the stuff that was mixed in with the president, we didn't, uh, U, U of L thought it was in their best interest to kind of hold off on uh, putting Sat on, bla- on, a, uh, on a lectern to talk to the media, which I thought was a good call because, I mean, you don't want to have him out there, you know, talking to the media and you have no, he has no idea what's going on behind the scenes. But anyways... He was chock full of information. Of he was not sh- short on topics to talk about, yeah. because you know he was talking about the bowl, the end of the regular season, signing day, obviously. And so before he actually talked about the class, he it was for the first time opening up about how the season finished, and he said, "quote Very disappointing to fish fi- to finish six and six. Quite honestly, we have high expectations for this program. Anytime we finish six and six, that's average. We don't want to be an average program. We want to be one of the best programs in the country. And of course." You'd be hard pressed to not find anyone who would, who had been hypercritical of Satterfield in that week after the Kentucky game. I mean, considering the product that was on the field, it's kind of hard to blame them. And he kind of acknowledged that, saying, and he, but he he answered the question in probably the best way he could because he didn't outright deny that he heard the noise. He said, "I'm aware." <laughs> I because he, he I can't remember who asked the question about like the, the noise surrounding the fan base in that week after yeah. the press conference, but he yeah. but he straight up just said, Yeah, I'm aware. But he he followed it up with quote saying, We've got a passionate fan base. That's awesome. You want a passionate fan base, you want people to care about our program, but at the same time, nobody cares about more about the program than I do. Nobody cares more about than these coaches, the people that are in the building, and the players that are right there down that hallway. So it's 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 nice to see him sort of like because we're, we're used to the Satterfield where he's up at the, the podium and he kind of has that all shucks mentality. Now I've been around this program, this 
program long enough to know that these these guys do actually show emotions, whether or not people want to admit that or not. But it's nice to see because during this whole press conference, Satterfield was no like noticeably more energetic and lively, and it was nice to see that conveyed out to the out to the media and whatnot. And just keeping it with this general theme of like wanting to get back in the right direction with the bowl and the signing class that he just signed, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. He, he expressed a lot of optimism. Now he did have to throw in his little, little cliche line of saying, we're really close. So I, I cringed a little bit when he said that, but he, he, <laughs> he, he followed it up with saying, I know people don't want to hear that. They want, they want, they want to hear us winning these games and we're on and we're on the top, but that's what we've got to do. That's where we're headed. That's what we're going to do. We're excited about that. I'm very optimistic about, where we're headed. I think with the additions of the guys that we bring in here, not only the players, but also staff is going to help us get over the hump and we're going to win these close games. Then we'll be celebrating a lot more than what we have in the past. So honestly, I think he killed that press conference. I mean, he talked for damn near 40 minutes because of all the stuff he had to kind of touch base on, but for having, for having gone through everything that he went through in that week after the UK game with all the, Basically, his name getting drunk through the mud and like saying, yeah, get out of town. We're going to bring him Brom. And then, oh, and Satterfield's dad, coming back. His dad passed away that the UK week, too. So during all that yeah. time, he's having to bury his father. Yeah, exactly. So it was it was nice to see him full of energy, full of life, this press conference and sort of look more determined than he has in a while to kind of get things back on track. Now, they still have to go out and win this bowl game to carry some momentum into the offseason. But we'll we'll see if that happens. But we're going to get into that in a little bit. So far, you know, I thought the the point you made about of kind of keeping Satterfield uh, behind the you know the behind the what's the curtains as the uh, athletic and you know university stuff kind of unfolded was super smart uh, because you know that's obviously kind of like the big attention at U of L and it's allowed him to kind of slide under the radar, which for him has been super great because then he could come back, kind of be more calculated and what he's going to talk about, what he's going to say. And what, what I'm getting at here is uh, you can say, he can say whatever he wants at this point, like the, the coach speaking, all that stuff. Like I, I thought it was very cool that he was kind of more energetic. He explained things in detail. He kind of checked the box of, you know, we're not, we're not excited about what happened. It's average, all that good stuff that we've talked about, but what they've done action wise, the recruiting, which we're going to get into that tells me the story, the, the recruiting and not only the recruiting, the, but, but the re-recruiting to be able to get Malik Cunningham to come back, to be able to get some of these other, you know, high profile players to stay, you know, knock on wood, Trevion Cooley's still here for now. Ben Perry's still here for now. Some of these guys you heard about potentially transferring, they haven't left. And so for me, that speaks much higher to what's actually happening with the program and the status of the program more so than Satterfield being happy and, you know, being able to, to talk to a bunch of nerds to cover sports, you know, whatever. So <laughs> I thought, I thought it went great and all that, but uh, it's going to obviously be him being judged by what happens on the football field. All right, let's move on. Headline number two from the state of Louisville, Presley Meyer, Louisville football flips Devon Mortimer from FSU on national signing day. This was the big headline, the big surprise for Louisville football. Um, everything kind of went according to plan. There was no flips from there in. They signed all the guys. I know there was some, some um, letters of intent that came in there a little late that people were kind of like, wait a second, why are we getting letters of intent at 530? Uh, but <laughs> everything went according to plan. Um, and then Louisville flips. Um, I'm going to try to pronounce this name. Is it Mokhtar Guy? How do you say the last name? I I think now I could be 100% wrong. I'm not exactly a linguistics expert, but I think it's Maquete Guerri. Guerri. <laughs> Holy hell. Oh my God, that was beautiful. How, Matt, how do you pronounce that right? But you cannot get Kendrick right the entire season. 
We have it's got that extra you pronounced it, man. that and and DJ's last name, but yeah. you not get Kendrick. Right? Yeah, this man hit it with the accent with the roll on his tongue. <laughs> I knew you rolled it and everything. But I knew can, I was gonna catch that. Uh, for that I'm one. sorry, oh God, that's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. But no, so Louisville lands Devon uh, Mortimer, which is a big time. Uh, uh, commitment for Louisville. I'm not going to lie. I didn't know who this kid was before he committed, but the day of you, you, this is what happens with college football. Sometimes he's not on the radar by any means in terms of guys who are like immediate, uh, likely to pop, you know, crystal balls the night before the day of, but he is a top 400 player. In fact, uh, top 350, 336th best player in the country. He is a four-star wide receiver out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida, the 50th best player in the country. Um, this is a kid who is going to come in and have the ability to probably, you, uh, you know, compete for a starting role right away. I mean, you know, uh, the five, five foot nine, 160 pounds, kind of that two, two at well kind of build. He's got the speed there. You know, if you, you can get a, a strength coach to be named, to put some muscle on him and not lose any of that speed and pick up that playbook, man, Louisville needs help at the wide receiver position. Um, and you really hope that he can bring that again with gutter brewers tutelage, man. I don't know why more receivers don't want to come play for Louisville, especially with Malik Cunningham. So you bring back, you know, Amari Huggins, Bruce, you bring back um, Demetrius Cannon, you bring back um, uh, Marshawn Ford, you bring back Tyler Harrell, and then you bring in some of these, these transfers and D Wiggins. And, and all of a sudden, man, the, the wide receiver room might even be better than it was last year with Watkins and, and Marshall in there. No, I agree. Cause I, I remember uh, when I first started watching film, this kid, after he committed, it's funny you bring up Tutu Atwell. Cause I mean, that's, that's what this kid kind of reminds me of. He's, he's pretty small and a slight frame. Uh, he's a run after catch nightmare, whether that's uh, on screens or like short routes or just deep balls. But I think the big difference between him and Atwell is that Mortimer has a slightly better catch radius than Tutu did. Cause it seemed like for a while Tutu was just known for just like gadgets, jet sweeps, or just beat the safety over the top where it seems like there was a few more impressive catches by Mortimer in this, in the film that I saw of him in high school than what we were accustomed to with Atwell. So, I mean, if, if you can give me, no, this is no slight at Tutu Atwell, believe me, but if, if this kid is basically Atwell, who is a better catcher of the football, I'll take it. I think where him and Tutu separate is on their speed. And I, I think, I mean, Tutu's got world-class speed. That's why he's in the NFL. If you actually watch Tutu, a lot of Tutu's routes, he rounds it off at the top, and then maybe his curls or a comeback or anything like that to where I think, you know, this guy's where he might not have Tutu on speed. He has them on uh, that snappiness off the top of the route. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff that that you need, um, you know, with a with – a, a quarterback Malik Cunningham, you need guys who can come in who are a little bit more developed and be able to see the field, not just be a guy who's like, yeah, we know he's uh, he's talented, but somebody who is a good route runner, has good hands, has the ability to make plays when asked. And I mean, look at this speed, man. I mean, I know we've talked a lot about speed at the receiver position, but you have Amari Huggins-Bruce, you have Tyler Harrell, and now you have Devon uh, Mortimer. I mean, three guys who can absolutely lift the top of the defense. They get a quarterback in here post-Malik, um, hopefully it's Caleb Johnson, the the star quarterback of the class there. Um, but if not, whoever it is, man, that you just hope they can connect on deep balls because they've got they've got some guys who can flat out go here. Um, so a big a big day for Louisville. That's a big win to be able to flip. Out. You know, I know Florida State kind of had a rough day there. They were the the joke of <laughs> yeah, <they did. laughs> the joke of national signing day. Some of those those uh, quotes that fire Norvell Twitter oh, space was amazing. It just felt good to laugh at somebody else for a change. You know, <laughs> it's it's funny. Florida State was taking Louisville's lunch money on flip. 
clips, and now Louisville's doing the same to them. I mean, now, you, now we got to make these guys pan out. Those two guys transferred. Chuba had a horrendous career against us, which was just great. And then uh, Josh Griffiths, who, I mean, I didn't think we had a shot at to begin with. I mean, he didn't do anything, if I'm mistaken. Of course, didn't he transfer? Where did he transfer to? I think he's still think sitting anywhere. in the portal with a couple 3,000 other kids. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I saw well, something that was like, don't transfer without film. It's like a death sentence for yourself. Oh, yeah, 100%. He's one of them. And he, I mean, oh, he was always a strange character anyways. Yeah. Oh, and here's here's a quick trivia qu- uh, bit for you guys. So I went looking. Uh, Devon Mortimer <laughs> is the second highest recruit uh, Louisville's landed under Satterfield. Who's number one? Um, hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, it's is it? Oh, I want to say Ben Perry, but I feel like that's a sneaky. That's like this. That's like the answer you want me. I to I feel like to I have. should know this. I'm kind of is it myself. Is it is it um is it Jadarian Boykin? It's Boykin. Yeah, well, he was like what two thirty eight or something like that. Yeah, he he was in the the low two hundred, mid low two hundreds. He was up there. Yeah, I, that that's just like that. That's the stuff that like he didn't develop at all. I mean, he would he have like maybe like two tackles in his entire career. I never really understood how a kid could come in. I mean, think of some of the four stars Louisville's gotten. You have him, Trinell Troutman. I mean, like um, Jerry's Brent. Um, I mean, there's been so many just random four stars who have Chris Taylor, Yamaha or Yamaha. I don't even know how to pronounce that. Yamaha. Yamaha. Okay. All right. So a bunch of guys who came in here and just like literally were not good. And you're like, those were four star guys. What? And Chris, you know, Chris wasn't bad. I'll defend Chris. Chris wasn't bad. He but was he never, bad. he never played. Did he, he ever went from receiver play? to corner to receiver to corner though? He never settled in on a position and he was under coach Petrino and by 2018. Everything was just kind of clocked out for everyone. Okay. All right. I'll give yeah. you that. All yeah, right. That, that's, that's fair. <laughs> Headline number three here back to Louisville report. Louisville releases the depth chart for first responder bowl bowl versus Air Force. This one's interesting. Louisville's just got a few healthy receivers missing their backup quarterback. A couple of players on the defense are out. This is going to be um, – we're going to get to see some guys who probably haven't seen the field So yet. I, I charted each uh, change in the depth chart from the Kentucky depth chart. Do you want me to, to list them for you guys? I would love to. Yes. Okay. Number one, Brock Doman is now the number two quarterback with regular backup Evan Conley undergoing season-ending knee surgery. Walk-on wide receiver Jordan Thomas replaces Shy Wirtz as the number two slot receiver as Wirtz is no longer with the program. Side note, I feel bad that it just, he Shy Wirtz was injured so much. I was so high on him. I really thought that he he would do something, and he was just hurt the entire season. I think he had I, I five agree. yards, man. I literally think he had five yards. No, no yeah, four catches for five yards, I'm pretty sure it was. And his first, like, four plays were negative yard plays, like, negative yardage. I was just like, this poor guy. The he should have come here. The stuff you could have did with him if he would have stayed healthy, though, would have been so awesome. I mean, ugh. I Especially with Braden Smith out, man. Like Exactly. It, it, yeah, I thought the same thing. I mean, Matt and I did, like, an entire episode once he – you know, transfer here with him and, and McCaffrey and some of the other people on the offense have been like, man, you could put five quarterbacks out there and just throw the ball to each other a bunch of times. Like, you know, there's just so many variations, but none of them were any good. And, and if they were, they got hurt. So you never got to see any of that. All right, continue, Matt. What else was on the depth chart? Amari Huggins Bruce has been elevated to number one wide receiver with Jordan Watkins entering the transfer portal. Can, now this is an interesting one. Converted quarterback TJ Lewis is now number two behind Huggins Bruce. 
Tyler Haller has been elevated number one wide receiver with Justin Marshall entering the transfer portal. Walk-on wide receiver Elijah Downing is now number two behind Harrell. <laughs> Marvin Dallas, Marvin Dallas alert, is now <laughs> outside linebacker at dog with Nick Okeke into the transfer portal. And then Josh Johnson is now the only punt returner with a block into the portal. Where so, is Demetrius Cannon? That I was actually about to get into that. Cannon is he's still on the roster, but he's not on the two deep. So I don't know if there he's hit a snag with his development or he's doing something in practice to not hit the two deep. Because when you're at the point where you've got not one but two walk-ons who are ahead of you as a scholarship guy, yeah, there might be a little bit of a snag there. I'm not so, sure what that is. Something I, seems off with that. And then we're also another name that I just had in my brain that I lost. Uh Jalen Carter. Where where's Jalen? Is he is he hurt? Is he still on the team? Because Jalen Carter had a hell of a uh, social media uh, catch over the summer. So uh, where is he at? As far as he, as far as I know, he's still on the team, but he hasn't been on the two deep for a few weeks now. I heard something about him taking a red shirt this season because of something at he was at what EKU prior to this. I think yeah. so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to say there was some kind of injury or something going on with him at EKU that might have. Tra- I'm not. I'm not really 100 positive. So take okay. All right. Let's. Let's have some fun with this. If you could put one guy on the defense, uh, Vince, to play wide receiver, who are you doing? Who are you putting over there? Is it Marvin Dallas? See, Marvin would be too wild because Marvin would – you'd run an outside zone play with Marvin. He'd see it all bunched up. He'd do the Reggie Bush <laughs> spin and go back around the other side. You lose 15 yards and you're screwed now. So not, not Marvin. Just off pure brain, being smart, uh, physicalness, Size wise, I'm probably gonna go Kendrick to play wide receiver. If okay. I had to pick one, I put him at like I put him at the X. You can't tell me he wouldn't do anything different than what Seth did for us the past two seasons in this offense. Yeah, there. I mean, it's gonna be interesting to see what they do. I mean, as long as you you're healthy, right? You can you can play Marshawn Ford at receiver. You can play Des Melton at receiver. You can play any number of your running backs at receiver. I mean, you can just throw guys out there and say run a slant route, and we'll figure it out later. You know that that's just how it goes sometimes, and that's what we'll see. Um, against Air Force, <laughs> this might Did it have over, to be over. Hold on, hold on, hold on, Over under eighty carries, eighty rushing attempts in this game. Because you said Mine? Air Force runs the ball sixty times per game, right? You, so this is combined teams, right? Yes, between Louisville over. and Air Force, over one hundred percent. How many one hundred percent? How many carries? It's got to be the. Do you think this game ends up being the most running plays in like a college football game? I mean, like, I mean, it's, it has to be because I mean, you're facing a triple option team, and then and then you've got a team with half its wide receiver room gutted. So that's I mean, crazy, yeah. They need to be doing meetings outside. Listen, Coach Brew, if you're listening, meetings outside, nine feet apart. Talk about six feet apart, nine feet apart. These guys should not be near each other whatsoever. If any of the receivers are roommates, they need to be broken up because what we cannot have happen is going to this game and Cam Cam Teague is saying, breaking news, Louisville has no healthy receivers today. And you just got to throw a bunch of guys out there against their What you got to do is you got to schedule every two hours. So one hour on the field and one hour in the film room, we can do it individually individually with Brewer. So there's there's only five of them. So it's not like, you know, there's 14. That's true. Yeah, so uh, interesting to see what is going to happen there. Anything else on the defensive side of the ball? Any other depth chart moves that stood out to you? No, th- there wasn't really any action at all on defense other than Marvin Dallas taking over with Okiki in the portal. That was really it. Yeah, I love to see that uh, Quinterio Cole, Kendrick Duncan are both going to play in this game. I think that, you know, not like these two guys are, as of right now, you know, going to be 
top draft picks. But if you remember back in 2015, I think it was, maybe it was 14, James Sample came to Louisville, had a big season uh, and played his way, you know, left to that. Most people were like, why is he leaving? That doesn't make any sense. And he ended up being a fourth round pick of the Jaguars, played a few years. Obviously, it didn't really work out for him. But um, Cole and Duncan could both, you know, play really strong games here, maybe get invited to the, the Shrine game, maybe the Senior Bowl. I'm not sure if either one of them has been talked about there and then get a combine invite. And we're talking about these guys being a fourth, fifth round pick. They both have the film, I feel like, this year to, to be draft picks. And then if, you know, for Duncan, if not, hey, come on back, man. I, I think we could do Matt pronouncing, mispronouncing your name for another year. That means we get a, another season and a, a starting caliber safety back there. All right, let's move into one of my favorite parts of the show. We have been doing this now for the last two episodes. Uh, it is the From the Pink Seats Hero of the Week. I don't know about you guys. I'm going to figure out a name eventually that ties this back into the pink seats and the stadium and and something. I don't know what I'm going to do. We're, we're going to come up with something cool there. But uh, it's not this week's hero because it is a little bit outdated. But our hero of the week. Um, did a little bit of what I would like to call social media trolling um, in the world of college football recruiting. It's all about being flashy. You know, it's about showing up on a scooter or, um, you know, bringing in um, uh, an Instagram model to talk to your players about how, what to watch out for. And, uh, or, you know, there's just all these things that coaches are doing now to stay relevant, to stay in the news. Uh, and, and, and for this, this guy, you know, he's a little bit, um, you can't call him outdated because he's definitely with the times, but he's a little bit older and he does things a little bit more traditional. And instead of video flashiness, he, he just put out a simple tweet with a, with a riddle, with a riddle. Okay. What's better than a riddle? Like, I mean, like I, there's very few people spitting out riddles, but the riddle simply said, what a coach brew and Deion Sanders have in common. And this was moments before Devon Mortimer flipped to Louisville um, and the tweets before it. And after it, they just are the icing on top. One of them is just literally oh, a guy fantastic. doing a flip over and over and over and over again. Um, and then the, you know, the, the, the second one is just him saying uh, Merry Flipmas with him on the elf on the shelf as, as an elf, my yeah. favorite <laughs> picture of him um, I have ever seen. So, um, you know, it's one of those things where he's just he's cementing himself as a legend. And, uh, you know, he's our hero of the week. That is Gunnar Brewer, ladies and gentlemen. Clap it up, Gunnar Brewer. Uh, he couldn't be here except his award this week. But uh, if he was, he would probably make some kind of freak joke and we'd laugh and we'd move on. But uh, what do you guys think? Deserving of the award or what? Coach. Oh, 100%. Yes. Great guy, great coach, great troll, apparently. Uh, yes, 100%. Great decision for our hero of the week. Uh, spent many hours looking at riddles with this man. So <laughs> great job, so who, Coach Brewer. Who, who would get an honorable mention this week, though, since 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 this was last week? Who, who in the last few days have maybe warranted an honorable mention? Can we think of anyone? Um, who would be an honorable mention? That's a good question. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, you, I, uh, you could potentially put Josh Hurd up there for an honorable mention because that press conference he had, I, I was ready to go after that. I was like, all right, let's go football I, yeah. season. Let's, let's go. And I was, I was ready for that. He made me Josh just, I think Josh has a good mix of the Tom and the Vince. And I think that's going to gel well for an interim. So, yeah, I, I, th I think, jo <clears throat> excuse me. I think Josh is good for the honorable mission. Cause I was, I was there at his introductory press conference and he, he killed that thing. He had a tremendous press conference. He addressed all the topics that everyone had answers for and gave 
had questions for, excuse me, and had all great answers, was adamant about the future of the football program with Satterfield, and talked talked about all the bullet points everyone wanted to know about, the emotions, how the ends, what changes need to be coming, what changes like with staff, with uh, expanding the staff, talked about, a little bit about how they need to bring in a couple extra guys in the recruiting staff to beef that up, which I'll be honest, I didn't even know that they really needed that. But then I got to thinking, well, they had to maybe – do some cutbacks with COVID, so that that makes sense there. But no, Josh Heard, honorable mention for Hero of the Week. I'm here for it. Yeah, I'm totally here for it. I also got to see one of the funniest things. I don't know why. It was probably only me that thought it was funny, but he made comments in his press conference about how he was going to be efficient, and everybody talked about him being a guy that gets his job done. And he got he was honored at the Louisville Southeastern Louisiana game last week. He literally came out waved threw up an L and then just walked out. I've never seen anything like that. And I just thought it was hilarious. Like that's a man who's getting shit done. He doesn't have time to go wave and be, you know, although how, how great would it be if he just like chugged a beer and then just walked back to his, to his, his makeshift office yes. in the Yum center to get his work done. Um, yeah. So our hero of the week, Gunnar Brewer. So, so far, Jack Harlow, Tim Sullivan, and now Gunnar Brewer, we are we are really on a roll here. I, I'm loving this. I feel like every week, like this has given me the reason to look out for for things that just kind of stick out and to be funny for whatever reason. And that tweet, I sent it to you almost immediately after he sent it. I'm like, this is it. This is it. <laughs> yeah, yeah <you> <laughs> this is it. This is it was one. only a matter of time before Brewer was the hero of the week, though. It, it was it only. Won't, a it won't be the last. It won't be the it last. Be the last right? no. Like like I feel like after the Air Force game, our, our hero of the week is going to be like Jordan Thomas or something random, and we could be like, well, it also could be Gunnar Brewer because it's a walk-on wide receiver whatever anyways all right well let's do this we're going to take a quick break here uh and, and head into some some payment for us we got to get paid around here so i would encourage y'all to listen to those ads we're going to take a quick break but we will come right back on the other side uh we're going to get into vince's game notes and look through some of the film of louisville's signees in the 2022 class and then uh look a little bit more into scott satterfield's future Willie cunningham coming back and then maybe talk a little bit of air force all right vince game notes I know we don't have any game film this week. I know you're disappointed, but Air Force is coming up where you can watch 5,000 run plays over and over again. Uh, but but let's dive right into Vince's game notes this week, and let's look at a couple of the uh, the signees that you looked at on film. Where do you want to start? It's time to get down to brass tacks. It's Vince's game notes with Vincent Lacoco. So to just, I mean, I hate to disappoint everyone. I'm, I like you said, Jake. I'm just, I'm just not gonna watch the triple option 500 times. That that is <laughs> miserable to watch Olamin in four point stances. So no, thank you. Uh, the first one. Let's just start right off the bat, guys. With uh, with Caleb Johnson. I mean, six two, two hundred pound quarterback. You, that's a phenomenal size. I I think he can put on another probably 10 to 15 pounds and probably get up to 210, 215, which would be crazy for us to have at QB. Uh, whenever I see him, uh, let's just start off with him running the ball because we do run that triple option where he will have the ball in his hands on the outside. Uh, he's not so much like Malik. He's obviously not like Lamar when he's running the ball, but he's a uh, stick the foot in the ground and get north and south kind of quarterback running. And I, I almost prefer that at times because uh, – you know, it's a quarterback who likes to lower his shoulder, who's not afraid to get those extra yards. Uh, he, he seems like a good runner. He's very fundamentally sound when he's running. He's not all over the place or anything. He's very in control and his vision's good. Uh, whenever he's throwing the ball, he has great zip on it. That, that kid has – he can sling it now. 
I, I want to see him get some more you know, touch on his deep balls and stuff. But I mean, I think that'll come with time. I mean, y'all, this this kid, whenever he rolls out, and they do roll out a lot in our offense. Uh, the last play against Clemson, uh, dot dot dot. But uh, yeah. Caleb, and actually on the on that note, sorry to cut you off. It's one of my favorite things that I about uh, Caleb Johnson's film is that. He's got the legs, but he's not so much a runner. He's more so a scrambler. He scrambles a lot outside of the pocket, but it's to continue the play, not to necessarily make the run. He'll get out of the pocket like to escape pressure, but he's still got his eyes downfield. Like he's looking to make the pass play first and then run if he absolutely has to. And considering that's something that had to be pretty much beat into Malik Cunningham's head and like leading up into this season. I'm glad that he's already got that ingrained in him as a football player. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a comparison for you real quick before you before we go into the next part of Do you remember Tavares Jackson that played for the Minnesota Vikings and the Seattle Seahawks? He just recently passed away a few years ago. Six yeah. foot two, 220 pound quarterback. He could run when he needed to, but he was a guy who would stand really, really strong in the pocket, deliver a strong football, but could move. And he was really good with, I mean, he was really a couple of years ahead of his time. Like now he'd be, he'd be really, really high octane, but he was kind of in, you know, the Jeff Blake era and um, the Achilles Smith, some of these guys who weren't great runners and really weren't like dual threat, but they could do both. And that's what he reminds me of with his size. And if that's the case, man, this kid can play. He can play. Like, he could be the next guy after Malik. I 100% believe that. I, Jacob, oh, I, absolutely. I, I think he is the next guy after Malik. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll put it on record. Like, I think he will be the next starting quarterback for us. And the reason I think that is because of how fundamentally he – like, fundamentally sound he is when he's throwing the ball. If you all watch Malik throw, Malik's stepping in a bucket a lot of times. So, he's not stepping in, with, in the direction with which he's throwing. Malik just doesn't have – he's not your fundamental quarterback, you know. And Caleb seems to have a lot of those fundamentals already nailed into him, which it'll be easy work for Pete to correct that deep ball and we ready to rock and roll come 2023 – I think. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of starting, but look, man, he it, I thought one of the, the most important pieces of news from signing day was Caleb Johnson enrolling in January. I, I mean, yes. I heard a couple of people talk about it, but not only is he going to be here for spring football, but I think he's got a real opportunity to to push Evan Conley for the backup job. Um, and, and if something happens to Malik, which obviously Malik, like I said, I've been saying it for years, he takes every hit that Lamar Jackson doesn't take. Malik is unfortunately just by law has to take each hit, and he's always hurt. I mean, how many times did he limp out of a game this year? Obviously, Conley came in in two or three different occasions, uh, but Caleb Johnson, if he can catch up the catch the offense and really be able to to do even a, a just a small portion of it, in my mind, he's better than what Evan Conley brings to you from day one. I I, I completely agree, and the thing is, is Evan's going to be out this entire spring. We don't know how long this injury and rehab will take Evan, and who knows if he's even – half of the football player he was whenever he gets back. So that's going to be kind of up to him on that. Uh, let's – all right, what are you all – Matt, this is a question for you. What are you classifying Maurice Turner as? I I was told straight from Pete Nocta, actually, that he's a running back. I know uh, yeah. I've, I've, I've seen a lot of people refer to him as a wide receiver. But I was told straight from the horse's mouth that he's a running back. So that's what I classify him as. I'm I'm personally not a fan of him at running back. I don't think – I think he'll end up getting moved to receiver fairly quickly. Interesting. He, he had 948 all-purpose yards. 
so, and if you go back and watch all his huddle stuff, it's all wide receiver esque highlights. I've found very little, you know, running. Maybe I wasn't watching the right clip or whatnot, but with what I no, saw, you, from him, I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a fairly wide receiver heavy uh, highlight and it just didn't seem to me that, he has this, he has the speed to play wide receiver. He he's very uh, snappy, sticks all his routes and everything. Uh, what I liked about him is whenever he gets to the second level, he he gets on the safeties really quick. So like he has a one, he plays just a hundred miles per hour. He doesn't really have like an adjustable slow. How I was thinking whenever I was watching his film, how is this kid going to transition to running back? Thinking of a, a guy like Le'Veon Bell, how patient he is in the backfield. Mm-hmm. And then he just explodes out of there and hits that gap and he's out and he's getting however many yards. I don't really see that from this kid. I like him a lot more wide receiver. Maybe Pete and those guys know more than I with about him. Hopefully they do. (laughs) I sure would hope so. Right. (laughs) Hopefully they do. Hey, I don't know. Are we starting the campaign right now for Vincent LaCoco as the future uh, director of player personnel and director improvement, whatever they said that job was. Are we, are we starting the campaign for that job to be yours? No, no, we're not. No. I, okay. I, I, enjoy <laughs> okay. my week, I enjoy my weekends. I enjoy seeing my sister play volleyball. I enjoy, I enjoy life, Jacob. Okay. Okay. Fair. All <laughs> right. What else we got? So uh, let's go to the running back. Uh, Tyon, Tyon, Tion. Mm-hmm. Matt, help T- me out with the pronunciation. You're yeah, the pronunciation. He doesn't know, man. If it's not I'm, French, I'm gonna, he doesn't know. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. This one, I'm a little bit um, iffy on. I don't know if it's Tion or it's Tyon. Just call him Evans. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with Evans. The running back from – he went to Hutch Community College first and then uh, Tennessee. This this kid right here, I think he he's going to be a day one. He's going to be a day one guy, I think. I I love Jalen. I, lo- I love Cooley. And I could even see Jalen getting washed up in the lineup a little bit with these guys here, with him and uh, Cooley there. Yeah. But what this guy has that we're lacking heavily is that breakaway uh, Hassan Hall speed. Hassan kind of fell off towards the end after the Georgia Tech game in 2020, fumbles, stuff like that, can never really bounce back. But this kid, his he has two to three clips on that like three-minute YouTube video where he has defenders nipping at his ankles running into the end zone. That right there is encouraging, and he is 220 pounds and has already played in the SEC. Sign me up for that all day. Absolutely. This he might be. Well, actually, I'm going to say he's the second most important transfer behind um, that linebacker from Ole Miss, Momo Sanogo. But he's right there behind him because I'm like, this is an SEC caliber guy who is just big and he's fast and he's proven. Not to say that other guys that Louisville would have brought in were not proven, but I mean, let's 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 call a spade a spade. I mean, the SEC is the king of football, and if and if you're a, the leading rusher on a team through seven games in the SEC, you're doing something right. Please, Lord Jesus, just don't be Michael Dyer 2.0. Oh please, did I, I hope what? I didn't just pop all that into your all's heads, but please, you you, you better knock on some wood, pray some hail marys. My God, why'd you even have to go down there? I feel like when you I- don't have a neck and it's just muscle, like I feel like that's where you run into issues. I, I think that's more of what it is than anything. Like Mike, it's, Michael Dyer did look like a refrigerator. <laughs> he is the most square individual I have ever seen in my entire life. Like he was a muscle square, not a muscle ball. <laughs> Has to be the biggest biceps in Louisville Cardinal history. It was huge. Do you remember but, when he got picked up in, in the air? I think it was against Kentucky that they tackled him and they lifted him up. Do you all remember that? 
Uh, I think no? it's, it's yeah. been a while. Right. I hope that's out there. I might see if I can dig in and find that. But he got like tackled and they literally picked his ass up like seven linemen and just kind of like, you know, like bar mitzvah carrying him around the room type of deal. And it was the most random tackle. Like it just felt like, why'd you do that to me? You know, I don't know. It felt <laughs> disrespectful. Um, what else? What else we got? All right. So let's move on to uh, the freaks, the wide receivers. So chance Morrow, Keith last week. I mean, I don't, I don't blame him for giving like a a bold Randy Moss take. I could see where he's coming from on that, but uh, I'm going to give a more Louisville take realistic at the end. Uh, If you go and watch chances highlights, which I very much encourage everyone to do because I'm pumped about this kid. He ran his first clip. He took a slant route. That was Uh, a what? So he, he ran a slant (laughs) route. He ran a slant route. He ran a slant route, took it to the house, and this this kid, I think, has phenomenal speed, great size. You throw it up to him, he's going to go up there, he's going to get it. Uh, he He's just a true dude, a true freak. And uh, Keith's Randy Moss comparison is, I'm not going to say it's realistic. That's, in my opinion, the best wide receiver to ever touch the field. But uh, Louisville fans, I would say a very, very much, I think a very much better Mario Urudia. That would be a bigger wide receiver for you all to think about picture in your head, but with more speed. And I think better with his hands. Yeah, that's a good comparison. And, and to be fair, just to defend Keith here, since he's not, uh, not here, I would think he, Oh yeah, no, I I completely see what he's saying. Yeah. Not that he could be Randy Moss, but more so that when he watched him, just the long lanky strides reminded him of, of Randy Moss and, and and what he was trying to do was kind of put himself in Gunnar's shoes to say, okay, what was it that he saw? Um, and sure enough, man, I mean, you got to love that. And then another receiver, just to touch on the, the position being kind of restocked here, Chris Bell. That's a guy that when we were before Keith and I really got into the show. And I think if I remember correctly, he talked a little bit about Chris Bell, um, but he was a guy that, yeah, because he compared him to Des Bryant. So he did talk about him during the show, but that was a guy that Keith was like, this kid could be a star. Like this is, this is another one who is super talented. Yeah, I, I can see that too. Chris Bell. I mean, Chris is 6'2", 220 coming out of high school. Like that is you want to everybody always talked about Justin Marshall's big uh, build and everything at the wide receiver position. I encourage you to go look at this kid and his build. This kid is very much stout and I would I mean, he's, he's going to be a beast. I, I like both of those guys, Chance and Chris. I think they're going to be great football players for us. Uh, we already hit on Devon Mortimer. Uh, he is I mean, the FSU transfer, he's a or FSU flip. Excuse me. I think he's going to fit well in that end <laughs> position. He's, he's going to do great, match up well with Amari Huggins-Bruce on the outside. Those two dudes, I mean, that's going to be fun to see here in the next coming years. Uh, D. Wiggins, my dog, you're welcome for the touchdown. <laughs> 2019. Happy to have you, man. I can't wait. I, I don't have much film on D. He has 791 yards uh, in his career at Miami, seven touchdowns. I, I think I think he's going to fare well with more opportunity here at Louisville yeah. than he did in Miami. Oh, no for doubt. sure. Uh, O-line guys, Max Cabana. Yep. 6'5", 275. All these O-linemen. So, Max, Isaiah, and uh, – MG. MG, yeah. Ma- That's what it did say on his huddle. So, in fairness, that might just be his nickname. So, we'll call him – MG, him. yeah. He All can hoop, too. Talk about hoopers. He, he was a basketball recruiter, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he, he started in basketball. That's why he came over to the States in 19. And he just made the, the transition to football just this year. 
Yeah, that's crazy, man. That's like a raw, that's like a blank canvas right there as a football player. Oh, yeah. You gotta love well, that. I mean, he he I watched a little bit of his film and he's extremely raw, but he is athletic as hell. So I, I can see why they wanted to take a flyer on him. Um, I mean, you, you kind of want to be careful in a class that doesn't have as many scholarships for, to this sort of thing. I mean, because you, you don't want to have another situation where you take a waiver on someone like uh, a Jackson Gregory or a Zach Williamson and it just completely flames out. But at least with this kid, he's got athleticism. You just need to coach him. Yeah, Chris Mack could also borrow if he needs them. Like, hey, he's, he's sat. Can I, can, let, me get, let me get MG for just a couple of games. Let me get MG for a couple of games. I'll TP your house next year. <laughs> but nonetheless, all three of these uh, O-linemen, I love their finishing ability. That's that They're not going to have very many pass-setting stuff, and even the ones that the kids did have on there, I mean, they'd get smoked by any ACC defender right now. So it's kind of hard to judge, and that's really on Bic, in my opinion, to instill that good fundamentals in these kids so that they're ready to play on Saturdays. But you can't teach the physicality and you can't teach the toughness that all three of these kids bring you you watch their highlights and you just see them wrecking shop on defenders I mean Isaiah Isaiah Reed is a nasty 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 football player all his stuff is him just putting people in the dirt torquing them and getting his chin underneath the other player and I mean I I was fired up after watching them so I think we got three good O-linemen all three of them in my opinion are going to be project guys and we're really going to see if uh See how well Big does with those guys. So that's and that's fine with me because I was just doing the math here. You essentially you have all five of your starting lineup uh, up front back. I mean, it's, yep. uh, assuming that Caleb Chandler is going to play another year of football, I've not heard any anything else to believe that he wouldn't at this point. Um, and that could change, and even not, you've got other guys who could slide in there, but including Michael Gonzalez. But Hudson is the Brian Hudson slides right into Cole Bentley's spot, and a proven guy will be just fine in that spot, dude. That offense next year literally returns every starter except for uh, Cole Bentley. Cole Bentley. Yeah, and Jordan Watkins. But, and Jordan um, Watkins, yeah. But, I mean, essentially, though, you don't lose a wide receiver. I mean, it's Amari Huggins, Bruce, Tyler Harrell, and, and Braden Smith, and then you, you throw in the, the new guys that we just talked about, you know, Wiggins and Chris Bell and these guys, and this, this position is stacked. And they're again. not they done yet either. Out. I have a feeling they're going to bring in at least one, maybe two more wide receivers because they're going to need it. I'm just doing again. I'm doing the math here. That means that somebody's going to have to transfer. That we somebody's leaving that we don't know about. If that's the case, because right now I don't even have them all listed. I'm at nine. So there's, I mean, that's a lot of receivers to only play, um, and that's with Maurice Turner in that list too. Which technically he could be a running back, but Matt, you're not. You're doubting me, so I'm going to read them for you. Mo Turner, Chance Morrow, Chris Bell. The Wiggins, Amari Huggins, Bruce, Tyler Harrell, Demetrius Cannon, Josh Johnson, Braden Smith. I don't have oh, I Devon. I don't have Devon Mortimer on here, so that's ten. And then if they add anything beyond that, um, not including walk-ons, then you're you're plus ten. So somebody somebody's out there. Um, I guess well, I we- think I think ten or eleven is a good spot to be at with the receiver room because I think that's what it's been what it's been like the last couple seasons. Yeah, that's fair. And that and again, they're, they, they've got the weapons there is, I think, what we're trying to get to. Um, and the, the weapons they added are just great complementary pieces. Um, and you hope that they can kind of develop behind guys like Braden Smith and Tyler Harrell, who are on the back half of their eligibility. So um, what else, Vince? Anything else that you saw on the defensive side of the ball? Offensive side. But uh, Nate, the lone tight end, Nate uh, Kar- Kariski. Yep, Kariski. 
I mean, he's a true wide tight end. He, he blocks very well, and, I mean, he can run all the route trees that we're going to ask him to run, and we're not going to split him out wide or anything like we did. He did yesterday. have a couple a couple plays where he was out wide, and he's, he he played a lot in the backfield and um, and on the on the line next to the uh, the lineman. So, I mean, he he had a little bit of Marshawn Ford in him, if you ask me. I, I see that. A little I bit. See that. I could see that, Matt, for sure. He, he definitely has the ability. I just think he's going to be a – I have a feeling he's going to be a hand in the dirt guy with Dwayne Martin. And I tell you I what, like the, that H that H room is kind of already. I feel better about him than I did of the two tight ends in the last class. No doubt. No doubt. I, I completely, I can get behind that for sure. That's all I got for the offense. So I was very, very happy with, you know, a lot of the guys. I mean, pretty much all of them on the offensive side. I, I don't have any complaints or see any complaints. I feel like we hit all the areas where we need to improve and, you know, there's no reason we can't stack up on some good, some more O-linemen. I'm here for some big old six-foot whatevers. Yeah, give me all the six-foot whatevers, that's, man. That's the name of the episode right here, big old six-foot whatevers. <laughs> How, all right, on to the defense. Let's let's get let's hit it off with uh, Tafik Thomas. 6'3", 3.5". Yes. I'm telling you, his future is at freaking fullback here. Like He's going to play a nose tackle. But Keith talked about him being a guy who can catch. They're freaking running screens for this guy. He's 325 pounds, and they're running screens for him. This, I this know. That, is that dude is nimble for a big guy, which is weird because when you think of someone who's 320, 25 pounds, like he's just like lumbering, like not someone who can like juke somebody. Like that's so that's like a creative player on Madden. <laughs> yeah, you can't you can't bring up Tafik, in my opinion, with him showing up and for him not doing anything in a Louisville uniform yet without mentioning uh Des Doomerville, who I mean recently passed away and everything, but uh you know, prayers out to his family. But that you haven't really Absolutely. seen a Louisville player with that kind of with that size. And what separates Tafik and Des is Tafik can move. Like y'all have been mentioning, they've had screenplays for him. If you watch his film, he is running to the football. I mean, all he needs to do, in my opinion, is get stronger. Cut down on that baby fat. I'm good with him being 330, 325. Get as big, shoot, get as big as you want to, Tafik. As long as you can move, you run to the Clog up the middle. <laughs> and you clog up that middle so our linebackers can make plays. I'm, I'm yeah. fired up about him. I think uh, he's, he's the beef we needed. We need – Probably two or three more guys like that, and we'll be. Didn't did did D'Angelo Brown play over three bills? He was like three hundred five, wasn't he? Yeah, he he was, he was he close was even, to it. Yeah, yeah, he's probably about three hundred pounds. And he had that he had a nub finger. Did it? Did y'all know that? No, I did not know that. No, I did not. Yeah, he. I think I believe he cut the tip of it off. Yeah, he had like a half, he pulled a Ronnie lot. <laughs> yeah, he he had like half wow. a little finger. Wow, there's a nugget for you, Bell fans. Wow. Okay. All right, Pop Popeye Williams, DN, right, Matt? Or is he going to be yeah. that? Uh, he he's. I think linebacker? he's going to be an outside linebacker. That's that's what I thought too. Watching this film, this I mean, shoot, an armor force. Uh, you can't say enough great things. I mean, he, he's he's going to be of the the Yasir Abdullah mold. He's not going to be exactly. Like, that was my player comparison. That was exactly what I thought was Yasir. Yeah, he, he's not going to be a true DN, but he's he's going to be like a little bit more of an edge rusher because I think that's what's pretty much what he's playing right now. You can teach him to cover, and I'm sure he opens his hips and everything like that very well to get to the flats or the, the hook curl area or whatever you might be it. But, I mean, he's a phenomenal player. You can't say enough great things about him. Obviously, hopefully our whole fan base knows who this kid is by now. I mean, and if you don't know now, get this you're man definitely, NIL, definitely going to get very Popeyes. familiar with it. Oh, yeah, he needs that NIL Popeyes deal ASAP. 
<laughs> or spinach. <laughs> Sailor Brown, the local kid. I mean, it's it's always great to get a local commit. He uh, shorter, six two, you know. But I think uh, what Sailor brings is he bends very well. If you watch his highlights, he just he dips and rips very well. He runs he runs what uh, D line coaches like to call the hoop. I think he runs the hoop very well, and uh, I I don't think he's going to be a day one guy for us by any means. I think he'll come in and probably redshirt this year and probably need to get a little bit more water. But uh, I don't I don't think we missed with him at all. And having a local kid on our roster always helps. And and he yeah, he'll capacity he'll definitely. Point. He'll definitely need to gain a little bit of weight because I think he's coming in at like 251 or something like that. And coming off basketball season. Oh, yeah. So he's true. probably going to be lighter coming in. So you guys are going to have to fill me in on Momo uh, Sanogo. I, I haven't watched any film on this kid. I'm, yeah, I copy and pasted over his awards from the Ole Miss website, 2019 Butkus War Watch List, 2019 Preseason All-SEC 13, uh, All-SEC 14, uh, 14 Preseason and 19. I mean, when you finish with 112 tackles in a single season in the SEC, I mean, you're, you're doing something right staying in the middle. He, he's definitely more of someone who plays more run support. He, it's, he's a good fit for the departing C.J. Avery. I, yes, he is. Mm-hmm. God bless C.J. Avery and everything that he's done for Louisville. He's been a great leader, a great defensive asset. I think Momo might be an upgrade. I really do. Because yeah. there, there were some times this season where – CJ would just was lost and sort of unproductive toward there were a couple games, maybe even three games in the middle of the season where he was just a non-factor on defense. I mean, he, he obviously went, came back true to form and was CJ Avery and led the team in tackles again this season. But I mean, as far as consistency and experience and at a high level, he, he brings it all. I'm excited for this edition, actually. I, I love him, man. I think that he his film pops. Like, when you put him on, he is a guy who is always in the right place, always takes the right angle, always finds the ability to make a play. He's very sound, very disciplined. I mean, when you're talking about replacing C.J. Avery, um, you know, I, I think that Dorian Jones and, and K.J. Chloe could have done a, a good job stepping into those, but you would have probably had a lot of growing pains. Um, Sonogo steps in playing next to Monty Montgomery that puts Dorian Jones and KJ and KJ Cloyd in more of a complimentary role. You can bring, um, Jalen Alderman uh, along a little bit slower. You can get some of these other guys in there. And I love it. I just love the way that they were able to find an, a four year sec starter. Like I've argued with people that U of L, why would an sec starter want to come to Louisville? This kid clearly has proven that like, this is, it's a good move. Like, yes, you're taking you're, you're, you're leaving the sec, but you're getting an opportunity for him to probably show some different skills and still go play at a very high level i think what he brings to the defense again doing some math here on the starters you're going to bring back for sure your two starting defensive ends and yaya diaby and ashton gelati potentially jack fago at that outside linebacker if not you have marvin dallas back there then you put momo sonogo with monty montgomery potentially yasir abdullah back control clark and greedy vance as your corners with potentially kendrick duncan and josh minkins I, I i try to temper expectations for myself here because i've already convinced myself that louisville could win 10 games next year um but this team, I mean, what he's doing with what Satterfield's doing is they're they're picking and and choosing what they want for the, the positions they have open. And Sonogo is a 10 out of 10 for fit, roll, all of it. I couldn't be happier with that addition. So, you know what? I know we're kind of going off on a tangent now, but you know the one thing that they really, other than wide receiver, that the one thing that they really need to hit hard in this, in this uh, transfer portal for the remainder of this cycle? That would be a nose guard. 
a nose guard at the power five level. I mean, yeah. I I was convinced that Jacques Turner was going to be something, yeah. and he did almost nothing. He was the third string nose tackle the entire season. Like, get a 300-pound, just aggressive, relentless nose tackle at the P5 level. Get that. Get that and plug him in, and he'll start day one. I know, love Malik Clark, love Des Tell, but I don't – I. I I'm not sure if they're the answer at nose moving forward, but we'll see. I could be dead wrong. I, who's the last uh, batch of SEC? I know we've had guys go from SEC to JUCO, then to Louisville, or maybe like was a second or third teamer on SEC yeah. and come to Louisville. But the last two guys that come to my, the top of my brain that came from an SEC to Louisville to play immediately came with Ty Grantham, and that was Shaq Wiggins and Josh Harvey Clemens. That's, that's that's good. I, I, Gerald Christian good. is another one uh, that yep. came under Charlie, played tight end, was a phenomenal tight end. Um, and then I think Robert Clark came from um, – I forget if he was at Florida as well under Charlie. He ended up only playing here for a year or two and then transferred to play somewhere else. Uh, and then also Jaquay Savage. He was a transfer from Texas A&M at the exactly. time, um, was that's considered right. a big get when he came here. So I, I've said this a couple of times. I think that one thing that Satterfield could really do to kind of find his niche in the recruiting game – is be a, a school kind of like what Michigan State did last year that is a, a, a really good transition for a lot of these kids who are five-star, four-stars. They go to an Alabama, they go to a Georgia, and they just aren't – they're not ready or they aren't good enough. They want to take a step. They want to play right away, whatever the case is. I think Louisville could be a factory for finding those guys in the portal and bringing them in here. And like we said, the Josh Harvey Clemens of the world, the you know the the Ger- Gerard Hollemans and the James Samples, you know, some of these guys that are just transfers for the most part. Um, and plug and play, and they can come in, and they can really benefit your team. A, a lot of things too that come, that come with that going and playing for an Alabama or an Ole Miss or a Tennessee or something like that is that constant feeling in the back of your head that oh, if I make this one mistake, oh, that's a wrap. There, there goes my NFL rest of my. Yeah. Co- what am I going to have to do to get that position back? Because that's the common that's the common phrase in football is next man up, next man up. But that in my opinion, really only applies to an injury because you're going to make mistakes out there on the football field. It's yeah. just a matter of am I getting yanked after I make this one mistake or am I allowed to play as myself with the, while making mistakes? Yeah, yeah, I, I really like this team. You know, I, I like what they've done with the transfer portal. I still think wide receiver is a spot that you mentioned that they potentially see a spot there. I don't necessarily know if I agree that that's an immediate need for me. I would rather have two defensive linemen rather than a wide receiver and a defensive lineman. Give me two nose tackles who can come in here and compete for the starting role. Let Des tell and Malik Clark and, and Jacques Turner kind of be your secondary guys. And then the other spot, potentially safety, depending on what they do there with Ben Perry, safety is a spot where they could improve. And then another one is an edge rusher. I know Popeye Williams is going to come in here next year. Um, I know that they've got Cam Wilson kind of waiting in the wings, but if you see Abdullah leaves, I think you need an edge rusher there who can come in and play and be productive right away, whether that's from the Juco route, that's an SEC guy. Maybe that's an, you know, that's a, that's a group of five guy that you add late, but they, they need, they need some help there. Um, any other uh, closing thoughts here on the recruiting and national signing day efforts, guys? You've got the two safeties, MJ Griffin and D'Angelo Hutchinson. I mean, those are, I, I think they're filling a good need. I, 
So you've got you've got some some spots there. Again, I think the edge rusher is another spot where I would be, and quarterback, another couple of spots where you might add. All right, let's quickly transition backup here. Quarterback, not Back, starting for all correct. the all those listeners yes. out there. Backup quarterback, not go starter. go get Bo go get Bo Nix. Maybe Malik Willis. That was Willis. the worst take Maybe in Malik the world. Willis oh will transfer from Liberty. We could get Malik Willis. Louisville fans think they can get everybody. Um, all right, so let's close out talking about Malik Cunningham, Scott Satterfield, the future of Louisville football. Um, I know there's a bowl game. We're going to get into that uh, preview sometime later in the week, next week. Um, we just don't have the time for it tonight. And I just, they're going to run the football. There's your preview. Um, <laughs> but I do want to talk about, we've, we've obviously talked about Scott Satterfield, the, where we kind of sit as a show that we are very much on board, not saying that Scott Satterfield is the answer. I don't think anybody here has been pounding the table for Scott Satterfield. It being the guy long-term, like I, I think we all think he can be that, but what we've said is he's the best solution for now. And he deserves another year. So I've, I've kind of sprinkled throughout the show some of the reasons why Louisville football fans should be encouraged for next year. And if you look at the schedule, um, it's a very doable schedule. You, you add non-conference battles against U, uh, UCF and James Madison. Those should be two wins. Um, and then Central Florida, hopefully that's another win. Then you have Kentucky kind of as your, your outlier there as a game you don't really know. Um, and then your conference schedule doesn't include North Carolina. It doesn't include Notre Dame. It doesn't include, you know, some of the other big names in the ACC. You do have Pitt, but that's without Kenny Pickett. There's a real opportunity for Louisville here to potentially be 10 and two, nine and three. Um, and you, you bring Malik Cunningham back and uh, you've got to be excited, right? I mean, I know that we get excited every year and we get wet down, but this, I, this feels like a team that could potentially put it all together next year. It does, but I'm I'm gonna have to see how the rest of this this cycle shakes out with the transfer portal and with the recruiting cycle and with all that. Because I mean, we we all say this now, and then tomorrow Yasir Abdullah could declare for the NFL. Exactly I mean, right. It, it I want to wait another month before I start to like speculate like where this team could finish. Because I mean, the bowl bowl game hasn't even isn't even here yet. There's we're still in season, so I want to hold off on like win projections for next season yet because i mean we don't know who is even coming back and who's even coming in but there is potential because like you said that that 2022 schedule is it's kind of like a lot of departments i mean you go to uc you go to ucf usf comes here i mean that should be a win james madison come here like you said i mean go to bc to clemson that'll be tough florida state comes here nc state comes here Pitt comes here wake forest comes here but then you go at syracuse and at virginia that's not a half bad schedule at no, all. No, you go. If Sat goes to Clemson and gets a win, dude. He's a god in Louisville. <laughs> like I'm telling you, all is forgiven if Sat goes and beats Davo and Clemson, dude. I'm telling you right now, I can see it too. I mean, I know you said we're not gonna. I, there's a lot that could change between now and then. That's not what this was meant to be. I guess more of the question is, do you feel like we've we've seen that players aren't leaving by the by the truckload we see that they're bringing in power five guys who are quality players not just you know randos who were on a roster these are guys who were productive players i just feel like giving sat the fourth year getting these guys back the writing is on the wall that everything is there to win guys light at the end of the tunnel with everything guys i think everything is going to be okay with our football program and that everybody wanted change. They wanted set to do all these changes and stuff. And I'm sure there are more changes to come. Like everyone's been speaking, but mm-hmm. just here's your tidbit of change that I don't even know if anybody knows Matt when go back and look at our previous transfers that have been in under Scott Satterfield. And I can almost guarantee you that none of them have been to two former schools. So the first one that's been to two former schools is the running back. 
uh, Tion, Tyon Evans. He went to Hutch and then to Tennessee. That right there is a smidge of a change for me that's saying, okay, that's encouraging. He's taking players that interesting schools and that, you know, who knows that who knows what went on, why he went to community college, why he all left Tennessee, everything. Yeah. You, you don't know the behind the scenes stuff, but you know, all those coaches know each other. So they know why we just don't. So, right. Hmm. Yeah. That's a really good point um, because we, you know, he's, always offered guys that have um, Ivy league offers. Um, he offers guys that are multi-sport players that are 4.0 students. I mean, he really kind of limits himself to the talent pool, um, that, which is available to him with some of these qualifiers. Uh, and I understand that. And I don't remember where I had this conversation. It might've been on this show. It might've been on another show. I don't remember, but I remember somebody kind of pointing out they didn't like that recruiting approach for Satterfield kind of deeming some of these guys who have been through you know, other schools or maybe not had things work out as not being qualified for his roster and really kind of limiting himself and also limiting the opportunity to, to love on people who have had a rough go in college uh, sports and college football. So I, I really, really value that's a that's a really good piece that I hadn't really thought about. Um, and, and he's getting guys again that are impact players at other schools um, and fans can say all they want and they can you know say that he doesn't want to be here. He interviewed for another job or that he's not good enough to be here. Look, he is selling guys who have statistics at other schools that are quality enough to have started at power five schools to come to Louisville in the situation they're in. I mean, I, I just, I, I, you know, I could be walking down this naive path again, but I just feel like this feels a little bit different. The staff changes, the things that he said, it's just kind of all coming in together to maybe he's, he gets it. Maybe he gets what, what needs to be done. And he's kind of following down that path. I mean, that's yes. not a dumb dude. He is a highly competitive person. You know, I wish you all could see Scott Satterfield the way I've seen Scott Satterfield, that being playing those basketball games where he's talking shit up and down the court or in can jam whenever okay. he's in the eyes saying, aren't you supposed to be the best? Hey, you, hey, hey, you see that? You see that three? I just hit it right exactly. there. Hey, we oh, can't yeah, get no, it right there. Now, okay. Now, while I'm thinking about it, what is the standard Scott Satterfield trash talk during pickup games? Uh, it's, I mean, it's just, you can't put it on. A, they're all talking crap. Everybody's talking crap. You're not thinking about it. It's the heat of the <laughs> well, game. I, That's the I'm only sorry, time you can go man. at the head coach. I mean, obviously you want to let him score every once in a while, but you know. I feel like oh, Scott's no. ever feeling I played one-on-one, I'd win. No. Yes. No. Yes. I'll, I'll drop a bag on that. All right, Anything. bet. Let's go. Anything. Scott Satterfield, All if you're right. listening, one-on-one game, let's make it happen. I feel like I could win that game, dude. <laughs> no I feel like shot. I could win. No <laughs> if, if he wins, I'll wear a visor every day for the next year of my life. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Now, you got to wear the visor, but you only shave the top middle part where it's open to the sun, so you get sunburn in the summer. The Dana Holgerson? Yeah. <laughs> Didn't he have a yeah. bald spot on the top of his head yeah. and like hair around it? That's like the that's like the 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 like reverse of the cul-de-sac. I don't even know what you call that. He's got he's got the hair like growing out of the man. That's incredible. <laughs> it's reverse and, and of what I've got. <laughs> exactly. And then the Malik Cunningham thing, regardless of how you want to slice and dice it, NIL saved him, you know, from going to the NFL. Um, you know, he could have transferred somewhere else, whatever the, the nonsense is that people have spewed to to not give the credit one that he deserves for what he's done here, but two for coming back to finish things. He made a lot of, of interesting comments about motivation and wanting to finish strong. It's one reason why I think they're going to beat Air Force and beat them by at least two touchdowns, um, which we'll get into that next week. I've got money on that game. I, I'll fill you guys in next week. 
on my parlay. Uh, I don't want to speak on it yet until my second leg hits. Um, and then, well, I've actually have spoken on it in the group chat, but I don't want to speak it here. What, was um, it the same parlay? That it was the parlay. Mean- yes. But I changed, I changed one game. I pulled Pittsburgh out and I, I was about it. to say you, you, you take, Pitt okay, you know what? We've already done this. Out. All right. So every year, my buddy and I, we pick four games and we do, we do a parlay. The first year we did it, we hit and we won like $1,400 on a $10 on a hundred dollar bet. We split it 50, 50, right? So this year, last year we were one game off. We picked, um, we picked USC. I think it was like in the PAC 12 championship. And they lost to Stanford or Oregon, whatever it was. But this year, my four my four games were App State and Western. We picked Western to win. They were a, a minus one and a half. So we we knocked that one off. Our second leg of that is Clemson and Iowa State. Iowa State is a one and a half point favorite. We've got Clemson winning that game. The third game is Louisville, who was a one and a one and a half point favorite. So we've got Louisville covering the spread on that one. And then our final leg of the parlay is Alabama to cover the 23 and a half points or whatever it is, or 14 and a half points against Cincinnati. I forget what the spread is that we got it. We got it at its very earliest. So it's, it's going to happen. Cincinnati disrespect. Dude. Oh my goodness. Look here, man. I like, <laughs> let's stop having like Alabama is not going to blow the doors off. It's cute to pretend Cincinnati is legit until there's money involved. And then we're, we're going realistic and Cincinnati is going to get their asses kicked. I'm sorry. I've no, tackled Desmond I, Ritter no, I agree. the field for the record. And okay. uh, there, there are at least 100 Alabama football players that can do the same. So I, I'm putting everything I own on Alabama. Yeah. So first leg was, was Western, which took care of business over App State. Uh, go tops. Uh, and next up is Clemson over Iowa State. I feel pretty good about that. We'll see. I know Clemson's kind of obviously missing some coordinators, uh, but I feel pretty good about this bet. And then Louisville is going to take business against take care of business against Air Force. And we're going to be on our way to potentially winning about $700 each on a $50 bet. Like it doesn't get any better than that around Christmas time, man. I'm telling you, the bowl season will give you cash if you let it. You just gotta you gotta let you gotta flow with the bowl season, okay? There's always a game or two in there that that you just look at and you're like, what? That's the spread. That's how you make the money, and that's what happened with the App State game, man. App State was favorited, and they got their asses kicked, man. You just wanted to bet against Coach Ponds. Don't lie. They were six and zero in bowl games. They were six and zero in bowl games leading up to that, and they got the doors blown off of them. Uh, against the Western team. I don't even know who their head coach is anymore. All right, that's going to do it here. Tyson Helton. Tyson Helton, okay. Is Clay Helton the name? Is that was that is that somebody on his staff? Or, oh, no, that used to be the USC head that coach. That used to be the USC coach. Is that his brother, though? Or they, they're probably related. I don't think I don't there's know. any relation. Well, all right. Well, this has been a great episode from the Pink Seats. We appreciate you guys tuning in. As always, give these guys a follow. Support uh, their endeavors here. That's at Matt underscore McGavick, the Louisville Report. He has kept everyone in tune with what is happening around Louisville sports last couple of weeks which there is a lot uh, and then vincent lococo just as it sounds on twitter you can follow me at jacob lane 08 be sure to check out the louisville report stateoflouisville.com and then of course all of the state of louisville podcasts on the state of louisville podcast network uh merry christmas to you guys hopefully santa comes and brings you some goodies um and hopefully uh next week we'll we'll be able to get back together before the air force game and talk a little bit about uh all nine thousand of those uh running plays that we're gonna see so um until then merry christmas and go cards
Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done.